For most of humanity, there's been a system of government where a small minority rules over the people. From emperors to monarchs to oligarchs, the will of the people, the desire for self-determination has been repressed. A group of visionaries envisioned a nation ruled by its citizens, one where leaders were chosen by its people to be held accountable. Hence, the United States of America was born. That dream of democracy has been defiled. We find today, our nation is run by a minority not held accountable to its people. Instead, special interests and money are the driving forces of our government. At Candidates Platform, we look to restore that vision. Our goal is twofold, to educate voters on the issues of the candidates running for local and state office, and to give the citizen the opportunity to run for office by having a simple, intuitive, cost-effective place to manage their campaign. Let's work together to restore democracy to the people. Hello, hello. This is Diego signing on to the CP Show. Hope everyone is having a fantastic Saturday night. It's been a very interesting couple of weeks in the political world, and we have a lot to talk about on the show. We have a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to be delving deep into um, the different positions that you can vote for and elections held at the can- um, at the county and city level, kind of at the more local thing. Basically, all those down-ballot people you vote for, who you probably don't know who they are. So we're going to be going into what their jobs are and what exactly it is that they're running for and what they want to do. But first, as always, our introductions. I am Diego Vlasic, and I have Kathleen Gomez, my wonderful co-host. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Diego? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. It's uh, yeah, having a pretty good, pretty nice weekend. So very you know, good. Spring, people are getting a little bit more upbeat, kind of getting through the winter. So yeah, and, <laughs> and hopefully, COVID is slowly we're going back to normal. I think a lot of people are ready for that. I know there's people dragging their feet. They want to not necessarily go back to it. But I, I think it's approaching. It's time. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the vaccine rates there, uh, I think about 80 million people have uh, gotten the first dose. And then in the next couple of weeks, that should be doubled. So um, and getting both dose. So I think we should be about 50% people being vaccinated. And then probably another 10 to 15 that are immune. So we're looking, hopefully, we should be getting that, hitting that herd immunity pretty soon. Okay. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of states, I mean, it's been out open for a little while. So just kind of, and that's kind of, you know, actually a really kind of interesting thing to start with is that really, you know, that there's a big disparity across the country, across different states as to which states are open and which states are closed. And that those decisions are made entirely on the local level. So, um, yes, they are, you know, at the highest, it's the state, but in most, in a lot of places, it's really, it's the city, it's the, you know, your councilmen, they're the ones that are actually kind of deciding, um, you know, what, what happens, what's open, what's allowed to reopen. And, um, and, and county, and county levels and county, too, because yeah. you could have the city open and the county closed. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see how these people, uh, how much actually power are in very varying offices that have the influence to decide what or not, you know, whether we're open or not. So I think people are seeing that it's not just a 
can't just be concerned with the federal level. It really, really comes to the local and state that have the most impact on your life. Yeah. And I think that's a, kind of a, a, another little part of it that we don't think about and talk about as much. But it's, you know, with the Know Your Vote initiative that we have, we want people to know who they're voting for. We want them to know the candidates that are running and know more about them. But also, it's important to know what they're running for, what powers they have, what the uh, what decisions they're able to make. And so it's not really just enough to know what the person is. You also know what they're running for. It's kind of the other half that's uh, not, I, I think, not talked about at all. And so that's kind of what we want to do this week is we chose a handful of different positions, fairly common across the country. And we're going to kind of talk about it and kind of go over what they do and what their powers are um and then hopefully by the end of the show you know uh you'll, you'll know a little bit more if you don't already know maybe you'll uh, learn something new that you didn't know before so and, and i think it's like imperative that people understand <clears throat> the worst thing you can do maybe that's a discussion for later on is to go in into the ballot box and not know who you're voting for to just guess because it's like playing Russian roulette when you do that. You know, are you going to get the bullet or is it going to be all right? You really, one, you know, one time somebody, a young kid asked me, is it, I don't know anybody who's running. Is, should I go and just guess? And I had to think, is it better for him to vote and not know or not to vote? Mm-hmm. And that's a good question because if you don't know who you're voting for, are you going to do more damage than you are good just by voting for, you know, somebody whose name sounds better than the others? Because that's how a lot of people do it. Yeah. It's they, uh, especially on kind of a lot of the down ballot stuff. I mean, people will just pick either the best sounding name. Yep. Um, a lot of times people will pick the same gender that they are. Just to yep. um, um So definitely having a little bit more information on who they are is really, really critical. And then also, I think if there's a critical lack of understanding of how the U.S. government works and operates um, from kind of one of the most common being that people think, you know, we're a direct democracy, which we're not. Um, And then as well as uh, people thinking that all the power is vested in the executive branch, which it's really not. Right. Um, And I mean, it's one of those things of, you know, unfortunately we kind of lost, you know, they don't teach civics as much. They don't teach. They don't teach any of this. Are you kidding me? They don't teach, you know, any of the history. Exactly. And so it's, Completely understandable to think everything runs through the executive branch, and really, I mean, the executive branch just enforces what the legislative enacts. So it's kind of you know, in a, in a roundabout way, they're just they're you know, they're just the messenger. They're not even really the ones that can can make those decisions. So I hope that this will this kind of this show this episode will um, you know, I, if some people come around just learning one new thing about one new office i'd be really happy well and i think people have to understand once they listen to all these this responsibility these offices have is that these people really make the most impact on your daily life you know whether or not you want to put a carport you know in your driveway these are the people that can tell you no or yes and i think people don't realize how much government is in even like a a small town or a county and it's really everything is pretty much regulated. So we have to make sure we're putting the right people in who are making those regulations who can either get rid of them or enhance them for the betterment of our life, you know. And um, 
I remember a neighbor just being enraged because he didn't realize that the city council had the right to tell him, no, you can't build, uh, you know, a carport. We're not allowing that. And he was just amazed. I said, well, do you ever go to your, you know, city council meetings? Do you know who your city council people are? He goes, well, I know who they are, but I didn't vote for them. I said, well, then you've given the power to other people. You've given your power away when you don't get involved and you don't have knowledge. So, I mean, that's been my big mantra. I mean, people, you can't complain if you don't participate and if you don't become educated. And that's kind of the duty of everybody who's in a democracy. You can't just sit on your couch. You can't just let other people do it. You have to participate to make it a system that you can be, that you can be free and happy with. So that's just my little soapbox. So I'll get <laughs> off it now. I'll get off it now and we'll go uh, into... No, uh, I, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, it's easy to, like we've said many times before, it's easy to kind of distract it with the big headlines of, you know, the presidency and, and even the Senate. And definitely, you know, big picture stuff that is, you know, does affect you. But in your day-to-day life, it really doesn't. And I would just say... You know, if, if you outside of obviously the obvious, you know, COVID and stuff. But if you were to take a look at the last four presidencies or the four presidents, how much did they affect your life in your, your day to day operating? You know, um, and I think the answer for almost everyone is going to be very, very minutely. Um, it's it's general big picture stuff. But in the day to day kind of just living your life, it's not really a, a big effect. It's all on the local side. So. Um, but kind of transition into that, I think let's go ahead and start with the first. Um, it's probably one of the more well-known ones, but definitely it's a very interesting thing. I think we're going to start with <clears throat> mayor for your city. Okay. Um, and, and, and a mayor is very, very important role. It can be, you know, somewhat of a figurehead, but mayors are entrusted, you know, with varying degrees of responsibility and authority across the nation, especially you know, it depends on the city's form of government. But traditionally, mayors oversee the city's main departments, including the police, fire, education, housing, and transportation departments. They preside over council meetings. They provide leadership. They receive input from constituents and make business decisions. They represent their city or town at various state and federal functions and meetings. And, and they also... Some of the responses also may include, you know, they most of them vote in council meetings. And they, of course, serve and usually are the president and then lead the city council meeting. They assign council members to chair or serve on committees, like, say, your zoning committee, your planning committee, you know, education committee, whatever the committees and the concerns are of the constituents that they need to form these for. They um, appoint citizens to serve on advisory boards or commissions. They prepare the annual budget. They receive the annual budget developed by also, you know, the chief administrator or city manager, and then report that annual budget to the council. Cities in the United States are sometimes characterized as having either strong or weak mayors. And most strong mayors are in the mayor-council form of government and are directly elected by citizens to that office. Most weak mayors are mayors in... Um, a council manager form and are elected from within the city council. <clears throat> Characteristics of a, of a strong mayor would be, you know, 
the mayor is like the executive power. He's the chief executive officer. He directs administrative structure, appointing and removing of department heads. Um, and while the council has the legislative power, the mayor has a veto power. And the council does not oversee daily operations, the mayor does. Those are kind of the uh, characteristics of a strong mayor. And characteristics of a weak mayor are, um, you know, the council would be more powerful, both legislative and executive, um, in authority. And the mayor is not truly the chief executive. He is, you know, has limited power and possibly no veto power. And the council can prevent the mayor from effectively supervising city administration and there may be many administrative boards and commissions that operate independently from the city government Diego do you do you have a yes, question so I was one, one thing I was kind of um curious about I guess is or with regards to mayors a lot of times people think of it's like you know this the president of the um of you know the city and to some degree I think that's true but also a lot of times, mayors and mayors, mayors' power varies by city by, by city. And right. in some places, they're you know they do have a lot of power and responsibilities, and in other places, um, it's you know it's not so that they're much more of a figurehead. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that also is really kind of unknown because you know you may grow up in one city where the mayor kind of is the one that decides everything, and then you move to another city thinking, okay, well, you know, the mayor this is a big deal. I need to, you know, make sure that I vote for this guy. And, you know, I spent all my time looking up this guy and he's really just a figurehead and it's the council and you, you didn't do your due to the council. So. And, and I think the mayor also is, is, is very important though. You know, he is a figurehead and a lot of times he goes to say the league of cities or, you know, say if you live along the border, the border States, he would be in the Arizona or say New Mexico, Mexico, commission you know it's very important that they are kind of know what the vision of the city is so that when they go and represent the city that they do it in a way that they're constantly in touch with those government officials who make decisions whether it's are you going to fund the local airport are you going to get more money for roads you have to have a mayor um and, and maybe this is kind of traditionally what happens with the figurehead. He has to be the spokesperson, the representative, the cells, I guess you would say, representative for that city so that they can get the funds and the attention they need from the state. That's very important. And very many, a lot of mayors don't do a very good job of that, especially when you're talking about small cities. Of course, like places like L.A. or, you know, Chicago are going to have very strong mayors, and they are constantly – um, reflecting the needs of their of their constituents well, you know, and going and getting money from different budgets and stuff like that to to be able to fill the needs of the what the city needs. So I think that's something really very imperative. And when people are voting for a mayor, they have to look at the person who's going to be the best representative, who's going to state the case that they you know for the city and what their needs are and and be somebody who calls the state legislatures and the state senators and says hey you know come down to to our small town or our town and you know we want you to visit we want you to talk to our our constituents to see what we need and how we, you can help us because that's the role of the state legislatures is helping you know cities and towns get money and get funding for things that they need and, and and that's something that's very you know not really stressed. 
and kind of as important as the mayor is, um, and it is you know, hugely important, generally at best they have a vote, basically. So, you know, they'll have, they'll, they'll be one of, you know, seven votes. There'll be six councilmen and right. the mayor and, and their, their one vote. And then sometimes they don't even get a vote unless they're a tiebreaker. Right. Um, and so really the people that actually can really kind of push forward, uh, you know, structural changes and agendas at your city level is actually the council, which I think right. is, you know, a lot really tends a lot of ways where I think people really need to focus a majority of their attention. And and so city council, their functions as local legislators are responsible. They're responsible for a to be responsive to citizens who elected them. Number one, I mean, I think a lot of times sometimes they get a disease, like they get elected, and then all of a sudden they know better than their constituents who elected them. Um, that's a very big important part of their job. And depending on the city's charter and state laws, they probably well, most likely perform the following functions that I'm going to mention. <clears throat> well, one, of course, is, you know, reviewing and approving the annual budget. And, you know, most, it's amazing, even little small communities will have maybe a $23 million budget or 10 whatever, even though it's $1 million, that's a lot of money. And it's coming from the taxpayers, whether it's through sales tax or property tax or however it's, the money is appropriated, it's still coming from us, the people who work every day and pay taxes. Um, they establish long and short-term objectives and priorities for the city. They oversee the performance of the local public employees. They oversee effectiveness of programs. You know, they're supposed to come back and see, you know, well, is our senior citizen uh, center, is that working? Are the, you know... Um, Machines, gym machines, are they enough? Are they good? Or is it doing what it's supposed to do, giving benefits for the, you know, for the senior citizens? I'm using that. Or whether it be child care um, and, you know, local child care operations. Um, they also establish, this is huge, tax rates. You know, they raise the sales tax. They can raise your property tax. And you should really understand what these people who are you're voting in what their stand is on something like that. They enter into legal contracts. They borrow money in the name of the city and the citizens. They pass ordinances and resolutions. They modify the city's charter. Um, they regulate land use through zoning laws. They regulate, um, they regulate public health and safety, exercise the power of eminent domain, Communicate policies and programs to residents. They so they're respond. Kind of, they're kind of, you would say, almost kind of in charge of generally, like, how the, the ins and outs, kind of daily maintenance of the town. Um, and just... Well, and it's everything from the, from the employees to uh, the community and other levels of government. They also are people who do go to, to meetings like the Arizona League of Cities or, you know, there's all kinds of different organizations that require representation so that, you know, it's kind of what they say if you, the squeaky wheel, you know, wins, if you make enough noise and if you're there at those meetings, you're the ones who get the money and the programs for your community. So they do a lot. I think one of the biggest things is that they establish tax rates. I mean, you know, um, you're a small community and they decide to, they need money, they'll increase the sales tax by one or two pennies. But if you're at, 
you know, 10, 10% sales tax on it, you know, on every dollar, that's a lot of money that people may decide, well, I don't want to shop here anymore. I'm going to go to the next town over. So that's a huge uh, responsibility that they have. And there's a lot of, um, I've, I've noticed, you know, kind of just as a little, little anecdote I, I've had with it, um, there was a city actually that passed a sales tax um, on gasoline. And uh, they were going to use the funds. It was it was earmarked specifically for roads, um, paving roads. And so I'm going to kind of throw out big generalities. But let's say the budget for the roads was, you know, two million dollars. Let's say, um, which is way low. But let's just say it was two million dollars. What they actually said, they said, okay, so this um, this the money that we raise, and let's say it's a million dollars, is going to go earmarked. It can only go for roads. So it can't. We can't move it, do anything like that. That million dollars has to go to roads. And so they passed the law because people like that idea. And that $1 million did go to roads. However, that the next year, the budget for roads was only $2.3 million because while that million dollars that they passed, tax increase that they passed did go to roads, they took out 700000 to move that wasn't earmarked specifically for it to other stuff. So there's a lot of, you know... Um, there's a lot of kind of power that they can have and kind of um, with budgets especially that I think people need to really pay attention to. Well, and also, you know, when you look at COVID, they're the ones that decide whether or not they're going to open their their community. So they have the vote and the power to decide, okay, you're going to keep masks on for the next year or, you know, we're not going to allow restaurants to open. So that that's also huge. Um, and, and maybe has it not been... People haven't been aware that they have that much control since we really haven't had any kind of real health issue for the public as as we have in COVID. And seeing how, you know, you can go from one town to the next and it'd be totally different on whether or not you can eat outside or you can eat in a restaurant or whether or not you have to wear a mask if you're walking down the street. So these guys definitely do. And, of course, like we're saying, you know, they they are very, they regulate zoning laws. So they'll decide, you know, they can pass laws saying, well, you know, you can't put your, park your car on, on, your, on the grass or you can only have three cars in front of your house or, you know, you can't build a carport or you can't, you know, uh, if you want yeah. to expand your house, they can say, no, you can't. So a lot of people don't realize that these guys have that kind of power. Yeah. And, you know, kind of segueing into the next one I want to talk about, it's actually the enforcers of a lot of laws uh, leads actually to to the sheriff's office, um, the deputies. And I've always thought it was kind of strange in concept, but um, I'm sure most people know that the sheriff is actually an elected office. So you don't necessarily really need to, you know, be a cop and have, you know, in a lot of cities, you know, the police chief is someone who's, you know, been a cop for a while and, and has kind of worked his way up and, has um, you know shown exemplary service and has also kind of managed the political aspect of that side. Um, with the sheriff, I mean, generally speaking, that it does tend to go to experienced people, but but really, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be, and, and it's just it's just an elected office, so anyone can really run for sheriff. There's no um, requirements that you've been a cop for a certain amount of time, um, and so that's kind of the really interesting one, I think, because. The sheriff is obviously, you know, they propose a lot of how policing gets done, especially in more rural areas outside the cities. 
um, the sheriff is the one. The, the sheriff's office is the one that responds to 911 calls. They're the ones that are patrolling the area. Um, and so, the sh- you know, one of probably the most famous sheriff, for example, is um, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. And, uh, you know... From Arizona. From Arizona, yes, from Maricopa County. And, um, you know, to kind of put it into perspective, you know, he was able to basically, as sheriff, his powers were, was he was able to, you know, move uh, move prisons to outdoor um, he was, you know, was able to pick the clothing choices uh, color for all the people that wasn't it uh, pink? It was pink, yeah. So <laughs> he was able to choose that color for um, for all the prisoners. He chose what they what they wore, um, what they ate. So he really had a ton, a ton of. Um, you know, and he also power. decided whether or not they could get a air conditioning. I mean, he he really did make it not a very suitable place to want to be in. And right. I think that was his his whole, you know, that's what he wanted to show. Right, America's tough as sheriff. So yeah, um, and and so you know you can have it, sheriff. You know, that's the really important one because they get to choose so much, and and they get to choose how policing is done, especially right now, um, with the kind of uh, conversation everyone's having about police uh, policing and kind of police um, brutality. Brutality, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that it's super, super important to know who your sheriff is and what exactly their powers are, because it's it's really it's I mean it's it's that's the guy that you know can put you in jail, they can arrest you. It's they have all the obviously all the authority of the U.S. government behind them. And, yeah, and and in a place like a big county, they really they it's not your local police. Your local police are just in the town that can afford to have you know, uh, local police, but they would be responsible for, if you live in a rural area, being able to come out to your house and respond to any kind of emergency. And sometimes those rural areas are huge. So they have the power to decide how many, you know, I guess, what would you call the people, the police that work under the sheriff? Deputies. Deputies. They get to decide how many deputies they need and, and what would function for the community. So they're a very important piece to, you know, your safety. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a big elected position, um, and you know, it's it's really it changes. I mean, in Maricopa County, when you had Joe Arpaio, you know, a lot of the things there were totally the the policies he enacted were totally different than um, than his predecessor has, and so it's you know, regardless of how you feel about that or they're for or against, you really want to have that kind of want to make sure that the guy you want is the one who's the sheriff because they're in charge and um and so another kind of interesting one that goes hand in hand in that was is actually your judges um so a lot of um so a lot of these judge uh, judge positions are actually elected they're not all appointed so for the on the federal side they are but on a lot on the county side those judges are actually elected by the people and that's the one that's kind of the most notorious for no one knows anything about these judges, where they stand on things, what they believe. And, you know, you do have some very um, interesting judges out there. And, and again, it's it's an elected position. So if you're a citizen, you can, you know, um, theoretically run for, for, for these offices. And if you get the votes, you know, you're a judge. And I don't have to tell you how important that is because you're, you're literally hearing the cases of, um, of you know, everything between legal disputes between people um you know if you have uh 
you know, two people suing each other, custody arrangements, stuff like that. You know, it, it, it's all very, very important, and that affects you if if you have to deal with the legal system. And that's you know obviously a thing something that affects you quite severely. After going through a situation where I got a divorce, right? Um, I had to go in front of a judge, and he decided the alimony. He decided how much my ex had to pay, which, you know, is, is, can be very controversial. And that's something people should know how that, that judge is going to stand on issues. And he also decides who gets the children. Yeah. And if you want to file um, a restraining order, he decides whether or not that's going to be allowed. This yeah. guy has – so he's got a lot of influence on your, your daily life because that's huge. They, they can set precedent as well. For, um, for, you know, basically in the going into the future, you know, if this this judge says this, well, then other judges who believe the same way have a precedent then to basically bank on that and say, okay, well, he did, and then it just kind of goes more and more and more. So, I, you know, I really do think that, that that's something that is both sheriff and judge are just things that are massively, massively important to me. And I'd like to add about the judge, you know, if you're involved in, in, in electing people and you find somebody isn't doing their job and you recall them, let me tell you, this judge has unbelievable power to decide whether or not that recall is even going to happen. And I'd like to use um, something that, as an example of a small town that I'm from, uh, there was a mayor, very controversial, causing a lot of issues. People recalled him. They got enough ballot. I mean, they got enough signatures. They were verified. And then when it came, uh, the mayor decided that he was going to challenge it. And the judge threw away the recall based on the fact that the recall where they got the signatures had not been stapled. The explanation of why he was being recalled was not stapled to the signatures. And for that reason alone, that judge dismissed the recall and it didn't happen. So it took, I think it was about six or seven months for this community to get people to sign a recall. It, it took a lot of work. They were dedicated. And to have a judge throw it out based on a staple, this just goes to show you how important these guys are. That judge had no reason to do it and actually made the decision based on a law that had passed after the recall had been verified and turned into the state. So it wasn't even like it should not have applied to this case because the law, this decision to staple it had been made after the recall had been put into the state. But he decided and set a precedent that, okay, we're going to kick this recall out because there's not a staple attached. And, and, and to me, that is... That's just defiling the whole system. So yeah. that's how important these guys are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really, um, especially when you're into more political things, I mean, it's really a huge thing because the judicial branch of our government, all the way, you know, from Supreme Court down, they're kind of the final say in what you can, what can and cannot happen. So... It's why, you know, the Supreme Court was so bitterly fought, fought for, and it's also why they're kind of Trump's, um, you can say, his most long-lasting legacy is the huge number of, of judges that he's appointed. And so it doesn't, um, it doesn't, you know, 
it still translates as you go down ballot. That's really, you know, that's really the big thing is that at the smaller local level, the judges are the ones who get the final say on pretty much everything. Um, and so, and it's, it's very expensive and uh, tedious to, to do those appeals. It's very expensive. And so most often their rulings stand. Well, just one quick question. I know in Phoenix, when I looked at my ballot, there were 42 judges that were supposed to be given either a yes or no. I gave them all no's because I didn't know. They don't give you anything about who these guys guys are, just names. So you don't, I, I mean, I never know what happened from that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. There's really no follow through. I mean, unless you want to look it up, you know, you don't know who won. You don't know how long the, they've been in office. And ju- judges are really the most under the radar kind of thing and, and you know the only time they really they get they, they do get some level of uh, notoriety is, is when they do something like uh, for example is the, the Brock Turner case which for those who don't know he was a, um, a college student who he allegedly raped um, uh, another college student a female and he was found by two other people and they they kind of uh, tackled him and the cops came and, and the judge gave him a three-month prison sentence right um and so like that's the kind of stuff that really kind of get a little bit of notoriety but again you know that's an elected person that's making those decisions and you know how many it's it would be nice to know how what they ruled on on you know maybe a rape case or or um an assault case or you know race race-based type stuff so i i i think really that it's it's probably of all the positions, judge is really up there with just the most important local um, office that we have that's up for election. But um, I think we're actually going to go on a little break. Um, we'll be right back. Uh, we'll be finishing off our list of uh, kind of what the, the ins and outs of the small camp of the small offices and these campaigns and what they're campaigning for, what they want to do, and what powers they have. So we'll be right back. You want me to wake up, but I'm strangled in my sleep. Hello and welcome back to the CP Show. Thanks for staying with us. This is Diego with my co-host Kathleen Gomez, and we are going over the ins and outs of small local offices and what they do. Basically, all those people down ballot that you probably don't know who they are. We're just kind of going over what powers they have and what it is that they want. Um, these offices have a tremendous amount of power over our daily lives, and we think it's kind of important to bring a little bit of light to what they do, what their responsibilities are, and just kind of going over how they can affect you on a day-to-day basis. And we went over a lot of the local city stuff, um, you know, mayor and the council. We were kind of talking about sheriffs and judges. Um, there's one last kind of really important, and we have touched on this in the past with some other episodes, but it's going over the school board because that is, again, an elected office that's just so, so important. And they do have a tremendous amount of power. So um, I think I'm going to let you kind of, you're a little bit more well-versed in this, Kathleen. Yeah, so. you know, gone through a lot of school boards. Um, you know, let's face it, school boards like determine the environment of your children in their schools from, you know, the bus company they hire to the teachers hired and fired. They are the most influential board in your child's life. You know, they are supposed to come to the meetings with the vision and goals for your school district. 
they are the person who they are the board they evaluate and you know hire the district superintendent and you know that guy usually or woman is paid quite a bit of money and they're responsible you know they're like the principal of all the schools um, of course they're going to maintain an annual budget and it's supposed to be aligned with you know the local school district and and the budgetary policies um, they also you know, give a strategic voice to what the community wants, you know, its values, the hopes and dreams of the students. And one of the biggest things they do is they advocate for the district students to state and federal policymakers, um, you know, especially in this time with COVID and what's happening to the kids, whether you're learning in school or you're online or you know, it, it's been very traumatic. I think as as we go on, we're going to see how traumatic all these policies with the children, with the school board policies, are going to impact. I mean, you already see kids who are, you know, uh, in districts that haven't allowed sports to happen, um, have kept everyone at home, and they're going through a lot of trauma, a lot of distress, a lot of stress, a lot of worry. They're very discouraged. You know, suicide rates are high. And then they're looking at other districts where there are, you know, football is taking place and, and other sports, and kids are, are doing better, you know, when they are having something to look forward to. So that's a very important thing, the public safety and the issues of um, public safety within schools. Um, they... Also, you know, monitor and review school performance, and some will decide, okay, we're going to have uh, merit pay for teachers if they're, the grades of the students don't go up. That's very, has a direct impact to the way teachers feel. Um, they also are responsible for the curriculum for the school, which, you know, whether you want uh, sex education in your classrooms taught a certain way, these are the guys that dis and women who decide it. Um, they review all the education policies and see, you know, okay, we're going to throw, we're going to introduce a new type of math that, you know, no, none of the parents understand, but this is what we're going to go now with. And, and so that's very important. It has an impact on you, the way you're able to help your kids learn. Um, they also, you know, will be involved in property taxes or, or they or establish policies really for the efficient, effective use of you know school assets, and then they also manage financial risks. Sometimes these school boards are in charge of of a budget that's sometimes even more than the city's budget, and they develop relationship between the community, the parents, the school. So these guys, you know, whether your your child comes in and even what is displayed within the room, that directly comes from the school board's decisions. So the kind of teachers that they hire and the, what the teachers believe and how they're going to influence your child, these are the guys that make the decision. So it's very, very important. I, and I mean, I think basically when you come to it, all the ones that we have discussed have been very important positions and, and have such an impact on your family that you need to know about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I think that's the thing is, is that when it really comes down to it, when you kind of hear about just what the actual responsibilities and power is of all these different positions, you know, it's it's almost insane that we do worry about, you know, what the senator, the senator from, if you let's say you live in, you know, California, what what the senator from Texas is doing, you know, because it's just, it's so far divorced from your daily life. 
Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that we we get bogged down with that. But really, you know, we really should we should know who are um, who our local elected officials are before we know you know any big state uh, person from another state. Yeah. And be and, so worried whether they're taking vacation or not. You should be more worried about your local, you know, councilman. What are they exactly. doing? Yeah, and it's just, I think it's really, in, in a way, when you really come down and think about it, it's insane that how little we know about um, who, who, who they are and, and also what they do. And, I mean, it kind of, I think, the perfect encapsulation of what people don't know what this job is, um, is, is you're going to be your comptroller or controller. Um, I mean, that's another thing. People don't even know what to call it. But um, as far as I've always heard, it's always a comptroller. And not everywhere has it, but places that do, they're essentially kind of the money guys for this for the state. Um, and so the whole thing that they do is they're basically in charge of picking, you know, doing the budgeting, estimating revenue, going through um, the, tax, the tax coffers, and basically having um, being accountants to audit, basically they're making sure that all the money that is budgeted for different things is going to those departments. So they're you know they're essentially your the the FA for the state. They're the ones in charge of of all of this, and it's a it's a job that you know definitely is in its past has a bit of a reputation for having a lot of corruption, which has been fair because you know whenever you have people in charge of all the money. And there's going to be a couple guys that decide to, uh, you know, line their own pockets with the state's money. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, it's actually it's, it, and it really is a really interesting position because they basically are just you know accountants, I guess you'd say, for, for the state, and their job is just to make sure that every all the wheels are turned and the money's going to where it needs to be, and, and just think how important that is that. You know, without the without these people, basically they're the ones you know making sure that everyone's paid. That you know the the utility, um, not the utility, the trash city trash guys get them their money. They're in charge of making sure, especially in some of these cities with unions, you know, organizing with the unions, um, just to make sure that everyone you know is has the resources they need as well as the staffing. I mean, it's it's a massive massive job that just goes completely under the radar. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, and then I think the next thing, you know, people talk about a lot or don't know probably a lot about is your county supervisor. And not, you know, I think basically county supervisors are maybe um, Arizona, California, Iowa, Mississippi, Virginia, Wisconsin. And then I think there's 16 counties in New York. Um, but they're very powerful in that they oversee all, you know, issues as, as health, you know, they're the guys that um, would check the um, licensing, you know, your licensing, your restaurants, your, your health license, I guess they call it. And if you have a farmer's market, they'll come and decide, or if you want to sell food, are you making the food within the guidelines in your kitchen or in a, you know, in a, kitchen that's separate from I mean they have a lot of rules so these guys are very important when you want to do business like at a farmer's market or within your county they also oversee roads parks libraries law enforcement and also you know even airports county airports um they um also they usually 
pass ordinances, and you know it depends on the states and 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 the different um, laws, but they impact counties in unincorporated areas. You know that might be little small areas that maybe only have a couple hundred people living in and don't have the means to have a city council or mayor, they would have jurisdiction over these these localities. And sometimes they collect state tax, and in some states they also levy tax, such as, you know, your property and your sales tax. One of the things that um, county supervisors do is say you are in a, in a big county and you want to set up a new hospital or you want to draw hospital districts. They're very important because they can be bust your idea. I mean, they either make or break you if you want to build a hospital or not. So they have a lot of impact in things like that that people just don't really understand how important it is to know the guys that you're, you know, um, electing to this position. And they have monthly meetings usually. And they have a huge budget also that they are responsible to spend. And sometimes, you know, they appoint each other to, to different positions that, you know, probably is a conflict of interest. So this is another area that people should really go to meetings and watch what's happening with their with their tax taxes. So that's that's an important role. And I think then the next one, I, I have a a real, I don't know what I want to call it, but I think they're very influential. And and that's the county recorder. The yeah. county recorder, you know. They're responsible for, like, you know, public access to stuff like, you know, who owns this land and, you know, what are, what was before it and stuff. But I, I think the most important role they play is they're in charge, in charge of voter registration and early voting. I mean, they oversee elections, and it does vary from state to state. And they have different titles, like, say, county auditor or county clerk or commissioner of elections. But all of them do one thing, and they're responsible for overseeing the allocation of voting machines. Mm -hmm. They manage the polling locations and they make sure that it's accessible and that, you know, there's all these laws, right? When you go to vote, you know, you can't have people, people have to be a certain distance away from you so that they aren't, you know, bothering you when you vote from the different candidates. They, um, they oversee the allocation I think, which is very important. We heard a lot about that, about voting machines. You know, were they working properly? How many did mm -hmm. they have? They didn't have enough. Uh, and basically, they're there to ensure that elections run smoothly. But they also do this other thing, and they're in charge of um, recalls. So when you, like I mentioned, say, the recalling of a mayor, they're the ones that verify whether or not the signatures are, 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 are valid and these people are who signed this this petition or this recall are actually voters and they can throw out names left and right so if you've worked real hard you needed a thousand people to to sign for this recall and you got two thousand most people usually go three times more than what you need because county recorders are no notoriously known for throwing out valid signatures based on well there's not a dot here and who you know they also have rules on who can carry a, a recall and whether or not that person was a right representative and then they could actually just throw out all the the signatures that that one person got so they are very important to how your law you know how your legislatures are elected and whether or not you can recall them and sometimes they're notorious for not for really allowing people to stay in positions that they should not be in. So yeah. another real important thing that they do. And 
I, I think the thing is, is with all of these, you know, we've kind of talked about how they, you know, what, what they have. And we've, we've definitely mentioned on quite a few because it's pretty common for, you know, corruption and for, you know, unethical practices to to be conducted by people who run for these offices. And oftentimes, you know, people don't necessarily run for these offices with the best intentions and heart. And that's what kind of makes our final, the final thing we're going to talk about so important is um, your district attorney is another elected person. And that's huge because they're the ones that decide to even bring charges um, before, before the courts for people. So, you know, it's up to your district attorney to um, basically, you know, say, okay, well, we, we were in charge so-and-so with this or that. And, I mean, I think probably the most topical one of it is right now is, is with the um, these police officers who are involved in, in police, um, police-involved shootings. You know, for example, um, the, the most re- one of the most recent ones, you know, the one in Chicago with the with the young uh, the young young boy there who got shot, as well as the other um, the other man who got shot with uh, the officer who didn't mean to. It sounds like she confused her taser with her gun. You know, huh. those are going to be people that uh, are the ones that really decide. You know, if anyone's going to, uh, you know, if, if anyone's going to be kind of be charges brought before what charges they are and it's it's another thing that people don't really realize is that you know when it comes to the law it's very very narrow so for example you know if you charge someone with murder two or murder one you have to prove that it was you know whatever that statute is so you know for example murder two is you know an intent to kill so um uh, I think that is something that is really important is that the charges brought are equally, it's not just about bringing charges forward, it's about bringing the correct and appropriate charges because what has happened in the past is, you know, you have an overzealous district attorney and they bring these big charges that really can't be proven. I mean, I think, you know, with this, um, I was watching a really interesting thing about uh, the Derek Chauvin, the George Floyd trial and, um, you know, what they were talking about is that they brought, you know, um, murder to, and they brought manslaughter, and they brought reckless endangerment, and, and, the, and the lawyers were talking were saying, well, two of those right off the bat don't make any sense, because reckless endangerment is kind of a, a disregard for life in general. It's not targeted at a per- certain person. And so, obviously, you know, the officer, uh, Ch- Chauvin, um, you know, he, he wasn't you know, at re- to a group of people as a specific person, you know, so it's like firing a gun into a crowd. That's reckless endangerment. You're not necessarily trying to kill one person, but, you know, your action will cause a death, most likely. So that's out. And then with the murder, too, you know, it's really, really hard to prove that someone intended to kill someone, you know. And, and so that's really where the district attorney, you, the, the district attorney decides that. And that's where it's so, so important. And so, um, you know, that's a really big thing. And, and we, I think as a country, we've realized that we need to start paying more attention to it um, because, because of the power they do have. But we're definitely still a ways off because I would ask people to name, I would, you know, say go, go this week and just ask people, you know, like, hey, who's our district attorney? And Nobody I, would know. I, I'd be really impressed if you get a single answer, if, if they're not a lawyer. Uh, you know, I'd be pretty impressed if uh, 
anyone knew. <laughs> and, you know, I think most people would probably know the mayor, but most of them would know the city council, maybe their representative, but, you know, some don't know. The school. I mean, I, I think what we're trying to say in this all is by explaining all the powers that each one of these elected offices have, hopefully you can understand and see how much of an impact they have on you. And that's why it's so important that you become involved and, and educate yourself and, and take the time. I know it's, you know, I fall into that too where, oh, you know, um, I just want to go home and rest. It's been a long day at work and I really don't have the energy. Well, you got to have the energy because these guys are impacting and using every when you're working hard, the taxes you pay, they're spending that money. So if you have kids, you need to be involved in the school board. And, you know, all these guys impact you. So I guess I don't know how sometimes to say it more soundly than I am and sometimes not as well. It is so important that you know your vote. There's just no other way about it. You have to know your vote. And and that's really the focus with Canada's platform is we're really well, – our bread and butter, what we're really looking at is we want the guys who want these positions. You know, we want your sheriff, your, you know, comptroller, your, your city councilman. Um, those are the people we want to be on these, on, um, to be on our website. Because we want not only people to know who they are, but I would love for, you know, if you're running for these positions, just have a better understanding and a, a easier way to get in contact with you constituents because i think by and large most of the people running for these offices are good you know genuine people that want to make effective change and it's it's hard because they are so divorced from kind of being able to talk to people especially nowadays and so you know a chance platform that's really all we want to do is we want to be able to bring these positions closer to you all on your computer and um hopefully you know that's the goal and that's what we're striving to to bring to everyone but um, we are kind of coming close to the mark-off for the one-hour time. So I know we do. Uh, Kathleen, you wanted to talk about uh, our upcoming show and our guests. So I'm going to let you take the reins. I believe it's it's the next uh, show is May 1st, Saturday, right? Two weeks from now. I don't have my calendar out. But on our next show is going to be April Humphrey. Um, she is vice chair of her town council in Yarmouth, Maine. And... April has been an advocate. She's worked in New York City for many years before moving to Maine um, on education. She has, I've known her when I was working in um, school board, on the school board and also on education issues in New York City. And she is just an incredible person. And she did what hopefully most people who are involved in in causes, she decided to run for her town council. So we'll have her on board to talk about all the things she went through, because I know she went through a lot to get elected, and um, and her responsibilities, and how she views, you know, and the importance of running for this for city council. Yeah. No, I mean it's. Um, I think it's uh, that's really kind of an interesting thing. I think I every, hope everyone can come in and tune into that because, you know, I'm, I'm I know I'm looking forward to it. So. And we're hoping that we, by listening to these people who af actually have run, like we had Lori Kilpatrick, she unfortunately didn't win, but she was very honest and open about what she, what was needed and what she had to go through and what she did to reach voters and to get her message out. And now we'll be talking with April, who did get elected. And so we hope that 
you know, through listening to them, you will realize that it, it, all it takes is somebody who's motivated to want to do the right thing, and you should run. You yeah. know, so we're hoping that you will join us. She's uh, very eloquent, very, very, you know, a great person, and so committed to to the education and children's issues that I think um, it's just really enlightening. So we hope that you will come back and and join us and ask questions. Don't forget, you can call in and ask questions. We we forgot to tell you the number, but hopefully you may know it by now. But next week. Please come, listen, and be ready for some questions. All right, yeah. Well, everyone, I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your Saturday night. Have a great weekend. We look forward to talking to you guys in two weeks. May 1st, 7, 7 um, o'clock p.m. California on- time. Yeah. And what would that be, 10 o'clock Eastern 10, time? 10 a.m. Eastern time. 10 a.m., so. t- 10 p.m. 10 p.m., sorry, 10 p.m., <laughs> yeah, Eastern time, so... I think you've just been sleeping, but yeah. no, I don't know. You had a rough probably week, but um, yeah, please, please uh, stay tuned and 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 come back and and ask us questions. And if you don't quite understand how we work, please call in and ask us how our concept is going to really be able to become a reality. We have the answers. We hope. I hope we do. I think we do. <laughs> well. Everyone have a great night, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening.